Pettit County's administrator says that for now at least the situation is under control as wastewater flows from the pond in a controlled drainage operation. On Wall Street this morning, Dow features up 201 points, and this is SRN News. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. On the surface, the debate is, is over... Uh, the issue that the Bible contains certain passages that appear to say that a person can lose their salvation. And so if you're speaking to somebody who believes that salvation can be lost, they'll turn to, and they have many Bible verses that they can turn to. I'm not talking about just one or two. They have many Bible verses that they can turn to and say, "Uh uh-huh, say, this proves that you can lose your salvation. There's an old story about a man who was seeking God's will. A friend wisely suggested that he look to Scripture for guidance. However, the man took his friend's advice just a little too literally. He closed his eyes, opened his Bible at random, put his finger on the page, and determined that when he opened his eyes, he would do whatever the sentence said that his finger was on. Well, to his distress, his finger was on Matthew 27, verse 5, part B, which describes Judas' last act. Then he went away and hanged himself, it said. I'd better try again, he thought to himself. But this time he landed on Luke chapter 10, verse 37, part B, the end of the story of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus said, go and do likewise. Uh, Taking scripture out of context always causes confusion at best and disaster at worst. This is Verse by Verse. Welcome to the start of another series of radio classes from Scripture taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. All too many teachers believe that they already know what God wants to say and then look for verses that support their position. One of the things I appreciate about Pastor Steve's teaching method is that he always wants to present each verse in its proper context so that we can understand just what it is that God wants to communicate to us. The topic of eternal security, along with the closely related doctrine of election, may be the most hotly debated subject among evangelicals today. Godly, well-educated people take opposing views on the subject. Is it impossible to lose eternal life? Is the answer to that question even knowable? Well, we think this question is important enough that we went back into the archives to bring you this series of messages that Pastor Steve delivered back in the early 1980s. That's not digital quality audio, but it's top quality teaching. Here's Pastor Steve. For about a year now, we've been studying the Gospel of John. It seems that every passage that we turn to in John's Gospel, we see the reoccurring theme of the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what the Apostle John has in mind and had in mind when he penned his words. Because in John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, we read this. Many other signs, therefore, Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written. These specific signs, these specific incidents have been written. Why? That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of God. And listen, and that believing you might have life in his name. John's purpose in writing his gospel is not that just that you and I might know that Jesus is God. 
It's not just that. It is that, but more. It's that by believing he's God, we might have life through his name. And so the Gospel of John isn't simply presenting information to us about Christ's deity. It isn't just giving us systematic theology concerning Christ's deity. It is giving us theology about Christ's deity with the invitation that we would believe that and trust him and rely upon his death for our own salvation. And therefore, when we do that, we receive what John chapter 20, verse 31 says, that we might have life in his name. Do you understand the difference? It isn't just that you might know he's God. It's that you might know that he's God and believe who he is, and therefore the promise is that you would have life, eternal life, everlasting life through his name. But you've got to know who he is before you can believe on him and recognize what he's done for us in dying and paying for our sins. So throughout the first 10 chapters that we have studied so far, we've not only seen that Christ is God, we've not only seen that, but we also have seen his promise that if anyone trusts in him, that person, whoever that person might be, would have everlasting life. I'd like you just to, uh, and you're going to need to take notes this morning. We have a lot of information, a lot of verses, and a lot of truths to cover. But I'd like you to see the promise of eternal life just in the first ten chapters of John's Gospel. Beginning with John chapter 3, verse 16, we read this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. There's the promise. Not only is he the Son of God, but when you believe in him, who he is and what he's done, you have eternal life. John chapter 3, verse 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. John chapter 4, verse 14. He said to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, he said, Ah, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. There's the promise. John chapter 5, verse 25. Verse 24, rather. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who has sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. What a great promise. But we're not through. John chapter 5, verse 39 and 40. You search the scriptures, Jesus said, because you think that in them you have eternal life. In your meticulous study of the Bible, you think that's all that's necessary to receive eternal life. But, he said, and it is these that bear witness of me. The scriptures don't give you eternal life. The scriptures lead you to the one who can give you eternal life. And then he said in verse 40, and you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. He says, I'm the one who gives you life. The word of God simply leads you to me. John chapter 6, verse 27. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man shall give to you. For on him the Father, even God, has set his seal. John chapter 6, verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in him may have eternal life. And I myself will raise him up on the last day. That same chapter, verse 51. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I shall give for the, uh, shall give for the life of the world is my flesh. And finally, John chapter 8, verse 51. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never, ever see death. Now, in each of these verses that we read, God has promised, God has given us his word, that if we simply believe on his son, we would have everlasting life, or sometimes he uses the expression eternal life, or sometimes he simply says life, which has to be spiritual eternal life, because they already had physical life. Now, this is John's purpose in writing his gospel, that you would believe that Jesus is God. And by believing that he's God, you'd have eternal, everlasting life through his name. That's the whole purpose of this gospel. And yet, the tragedy is, many Christians miss the point, not only of John's gospel, but of the entire New Testament. Because there are many Christians, many, many Christians, who, while they believe in Christ, aren't really sure if they have the eternal life that he promised to give them. That's a tragic situation. There, in spite of all the verses that we just read, there are many people. In fact, I would say the majority of Christians, without pressing me to try to prove that, but I would guess that the majority of Christians struggle with whether they really have eternal life, even though the Lord Jesus Christ promised to give them that. And somehow, many of these people have gotten it into their heads that they can lose this salvation. This wonderful salvation that the Bible speaks of, many believe that they can lose it. Now, there are others who, while they do not believe that they can lose it, they're really not sure that they have it. It isn't a firm conviction in their hearts. Yes, they believe that salvation is forever, but... They're not sure why they believe it. They may know a few verses here and there from the Bible. Maybe their pastor has told them about it uh, and said, you ought to believe this and that you can't lose. And so they say, well, all right, if my pastor believes it or some famous radio Bible teacher believes it, then I guess I ought to believe it. But it's not a settled conviction in their life. They don't have a grasp on the subject. If somebody comes to them and shows them a verse of the Bible that looks like you can uh, lose your salvation. They have all kinds of problems about that, and it, it really is uh, a sad state of affairs in their life. Now, for years, in my early Christian life, I believed that uh, I couldn't lose my salvation. I believed I was secure in the salvation that God had given to me. Just from a logical standpoint, I thought, well, what kind of salvation is that if I could have it one day and lose it the next? But I really didn't have a grasp of biblical truth. I couldn't point to many verses and say, this is why I believe that. I'm resting on the promise of God. But I remember speaking to uh, the registrar at Moody Bible Institute, and they called me in and they said, you know, um, you're not going to be able to graduate with a degree unless you get a, uh, a course that you have four or three hours to make up at, a, uh, at another college, liberal arts college, and you need to make that up in order for your transcript to be so that when you graduate, you won't get a diploma, you'll get a degree, because I had had two years at the University of South Florida before. So I was in the Clearwater area one summer, and I thought I would look for a course to take. And uh, summer is just not a, a time for me, at least in those days, to really delve into studying. So I decided, I looked uh, at uh, St. Pete JC, I looked for the, uh, a course that uh, would be the easiest course I could take, and it was a speed reading course. And so uh, the teacher, I got there, the teacher said, you can read any book you want this summer. A book came into my possession, and it was a book, a little Moody Press book called Shall Never Perish. It was about eternal security, based on John chapter 10, 
verses 27 through 29, which we covered last week. And this was to be my book that I was to read uh, in the speed reading course. This was how I would learn to read. Well, that's not the kind of book that you, that you learn. It's a book that you must meditate on and you must, you must think about. But here I was taking a speed reading course on, on this book on theology. I did lousy in the course, but the Lord did a great work in my heart. I think I got a C in the course. And you may wonder, how could anyone get a C in the speed reading course? It's kind of difficult, but I did it. But the Lord taught me a lot, in spite of the fact that I didn't go very quickly through that book. Uh, the book has lodged in my heart, and I think that, that ever since that time, there's been a settled conviction in my life concerning eternal security. Oh, Satan comes to all of us and tries to put doubts in our, in our hearts about that, and we may stumble here and there, but ever since that time, there's been a, a firm, absolute, unwavering conviction in my own heart that I... And you who know Christ are secure in him. And as we are studying John chapter 10, and we came last week to verse 27, 28, 29, it seemed to me that it would be a good time to deviate for at least a few weeks from John's gospel and to study about this issue called eternal security. Now, you may, that may be a foreign word to you. Someone told me you ought to call it the position of the believer. That would probably be more foreign to you. It's the very, uh, the subject is this. Can someone who has been saved, been a Christian, can they ever lose that? Can they ever lose that salvation? Can someone who's a Christian ever stop being a Christian? That's what we're talking about. I'm going to use the term eternal security, or I might say the security of the believer. But you'll know it by that. You'll know what I'm saying. We're talking about can a Christian ever lose their salvation? And I feel the Lord would have us to, to dwell on this, to study this, because you may be struggling over this issue. You may wonder about it. You may come out of, a, out of a background where they believe you can lose your salvation. And let me say it's so important that you, that you find uh, a rest in this, that you understand the issues. You say, why is it that important? For this reason, if you are unsettled in your belief and conviction about eternal security, you will be unsettled and unstable in your Christian life. If you don't have a firm conviction and a hold on this truth, you will not have firm convictions and a hold on the Christian life. Wrong theology in this area will lead to wrong living and instability in the Christian life, and that has been proven by, by uh, simply history. Those who do not hold to this oftentimes are the most unstable Christians. They accuse those who, who hold to this uh, just the, the very same thing that they uh, have. And I'll explain that later. But this is why it's so important for us to go over. Now, in the next few weeks, this will be our approach. This week, we're going to look at the debate over eternal security. And then we're going to look at some of the dangers involved in not believing in eternal security. The Lord willing... Next Sunday, we'll deal with the defense of eternal security. We're going to examine eternal security from the Word of God. And then in weeks following that, or I don't you know, know how long the Lord is going to take us through this, but I plan to cover some key passages that are difficulties where people will throw these passages up and say, aha, this passage teaches you can lose your salvation. Lord willing, we'll be studying that famous passage, Hebrews chapter 6 and dealing with that and others. We're going to touch on some of them today, and you'll see how this all will unfold. So let's look, first of all, if you're taking notes and you need, uh, I'm going to be talking fast. 
You need to listen fast, and I, and I would encourage you to write down these notes and write down the references. Even if you can't get everything I'm saying, write down the verses. Now, first of all, I want to look at the debate of eternal security. Why is there such a, a debate in this, in this area? And there is a debate. There is a debate. Many denominations don't hold to this. Many within the charismatic movement don't hold to this. In fact, it's a rarity to find someone within that movement who believes that you can't lose your salvation. You say, I didn't know that. Well, I'm telling you, that's, that's the way it is. It all goes along. It, it all fits in together. Why is there such a debate over this issue? There's a surface debate, and then there's the root problem. Let me deal with the surface debate first. On the surface, the debate is, is over... Uh, the issue that they say, people who don't hold to this doctrine of eternal security, that the Bible contains certain passages that appear to say that a person can lose their salvation. And so if you're speaking to somebody who believes that salvation can be lost, they'll turn to, and they have many Bible verses that they can turn to. I'm not talking about just one or two. They have many Bible verses that they can turn to and say, uh-huh, say, this proves that you can lose your salvation. Let me give you some examples. John 15, 6. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burnt. And they say, you see, we're going to be in hell. And so that verse shows that if we don't abide in him. 1 Timothy 4, 1. But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith. Get, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And they say, you see, some will depart, will apostatize, will fall away. I suppose the classic passage that is used to defend this position is Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 says this, verses 4 through 6. And in the case of those who have once been enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. And so they say, you see, this passage says it's a, that they can fall away and so forth. Now, on the surface, that's why I say this is a surface debate. On the surface, those passages really do look like you can lose your salvation. But I've got news for you. Not one of the three passages that I read have anything to do with loss of salvation. You say, how can you be so sure? Well, it's not because I'm brilliant, because I'm not. It's just that I read the context. I know they aren't dealing with salvation. You'll have to come back to find out what they are dealing with. Say, that's the whole thing. You have to... I get you trapped into this, you have to come back. But they're not dealing with salvation. Not one of these verses is dealing with that. I'll just give you a little hint. John 15, 6 is dealing with fellowship. Well, you say, what about that? About they're, they're, they are burned, they're cast into the fire. Men don't cast people into hell. Angels do. God does, not men. It's dealing with fellowship. 1 Timothy 4, 1. That's not dealing with salvation. That's speaking of, of falling away from the faith, the doctrine of the faith, false teachers. Hebrews chapter 6 is not dealing with loss of salvation because if that were true, then why does it say it's impossible to renew them to repentance? Those who believe you can fall away from your salvation never say that you can't be saved again. But that verse, if that is indeed saying that you can lose your salvation and never 
if it's saying you can lose your salvation, it's also saying that it is impossible to gain your salvation back again. No one who believes that you can lose your salvation and interprets that passage to say that would agree with that. But they're out of context, and that's the problem. Many who, who believe you can lose your salvation and point to a verse usually don't take the verse in its context. What do I mean by context? The verses before, the verses after. You can, if you don't do that, you can make the Bible uh, say anything that you want it to say. You can prove anything from the Bible that you, that you, can, uh, that you choose to, and that's what many do. They believe in a position, and they're going to go around and get verses to prove it. Robert Gromacki has written an excellent book entitled, Is Salvation Forever? Great book. Is Salvation Forever? And in that book, he lists a number of reasons why Christians misinterpret Bible verses and think they're referring to loss of salvation. Let me cover a few of those, and I think it'll be enlightening. Number one, these are some reasons, and this is... These uh, are some things that would help you avoid falling into this problem. Number one, some passages refer to unsaved people who profess to be saved, but they really aren't. You need to know that. If you don't, you're going to think that, oh, they're losing their salvation. But some of these passages that people pull out are really referring to unsaved people who profess to be saved, but they aren't. They were never saved in the first place, and they're not saved now. They haven't fallen away from believing. They never believed in the first place. Let me show you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. And we've gone over this before, but I want you to see it from a different angle. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name we cast out demons, and in your name we perform many miracles. Isn't that wonderful? They did so many things. Why, why, if we heard of people like that who were so active in the church, we'd want them to be at Lakeside, wouldn't we? Just based on, on uh, the evidence of, of their works, they did many great things. problem is they were unsaved. Now, to you and me, they look like they're saved, wouldn't they? But Jesus, who knows the hearts of all, says this, verse 23, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You see, just doing a good work is not the evidence of salvation. The evidence of salvation is that my heart desires to obey the word of God, not just do supernatural miracles, which is what they were doing, casting out demons and so forth. But Jesus said, I never knew you. Now notice, he didn't say, I once knew you, and now I don't. He said, I never, ever knew you. And remember we said the word knew in the Bible or know doesn't just mean to know about them. I never had an intimate personal relationship with you. That's what he said. These can't be his sheep, because he said in John chapter 10, verse 27, I know my sheep. He didn't know them. Why? He never knew them. They were never his sheep. And he said, depart from me. On the outside, you look like you've got it all together, but inside, you're evil. And you don't want to obey me, and that's the real evidence of whether you're saved or not. You see, in Christian circles... There are people who are active and they're religious, but they've never been saved, although they think they have been. They think they have been. They go to the right church, they sing the right hymns. They've never been saved. The Lord knows who, who they are. We don't. The Lord knows who they are. Can you imagine what a shock it would be to have spent your whole life doing things that were of your own doing, but thinking you were doing them for God? 
and then only to hear at the end those awful words, Depart from me, I never knew you. There will be countless rude awakenings on that day, but we don't have to live in fear of being surprised. Chapter 5, verse 13 of John's first epistle says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. I'm glad you joined us today for the start of a fresh series of lessons here on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. To find out more about Lakeside, go online to lakesidechapel.com. And if you'd like to listen to previous verse-by-verse broadcasts or even today's broadcast, we have a large selection at versebyverseradio.org. If you have questions about what you heard today, you can call 727-239-0306 or email contact at versebyverseradio.org. Eternal security has been a hot debate topic among evangelicals for a long, long time. I call this a fresh series because we've never aired it before, but as you may have noticed, the audio quality is not ideal, and that's because Pastor Steve delivered these messages at Lakeside back in 1982, and cassette tapes do not improve with age.